Demystifying the Role of the Network Engineer with A.J. Murray, Episode 76. Welcome back, my friends, nerds, geeks, and ziglets out there. We have another episode of the ZigBits Network Design Podcast, where zigabytes are faster than gigabytes. As always, we strive to provide real-world context around technology. I'm Zig, and I'm your host, as always. Today, I have a good friend of mine here today. His name is AJ Murray, and we're going to dive into what the network engineer roles, but kind of from a deployment engineer perspective. So, AJ, thanks for joining today. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, Zig. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, man. It's uh, uh, I've been trying to get you on the show for a while, you know? <laughs> You're a little busy. A little busy these days. Um but you know that. You know how it goes. Yeah, man. It's it's a grind at times, but there's always so much that we want to do, right? So I want you to tell everyone who you are and what you do and all that good jazz. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I am uh, AJ Murray. Uh, I am a senior deployment engineer and team lead at a Cisco VAR or a, a Cisco partner. Well, not it's not just Cisco. We do, we do just about everybody, but um, uh, primarily uh, as the the enterprise networking team lead, uh, I focus on enterprise networking. So, you know, route switch, a uh, little bit of data center in there. So, you know, Nexus, um, my specialization is software defined. So I, I do focus on SD access, SD WAN, uh, ACI in the data center. And, uh, because of all that, I'm getting more and more and more into DevOps. So it's been uh, super exciting. I'm currently pursuing my DevNet Associate Certification. Nice. Well, that's that's a lot. Uh, so how do you like focusing on SD, SD, you know, just SD, I guess, right? Software defined. I love it. Yeah, that's I, cool. I love it. I, I've always had a passion for networking, and this is like, you know, the next evolution of that. And it's uh, evolving so quickly, and uh, it's kind of hard to keep up with it at times. But, uh, you know, there, there's more than enough stuff to, to keep me busy. And, um you know, with every new version, they're coming out with new features and, and stuff. It's it's really fun and exciting. Um, real quick, couple things, right? So you mentioned that you're a team lead, right? So I'd like to talk about that too today, if that's cool with you. Um, Absolutely. I think, there's, I think there's some interesting conversations we have around that. Um, now, I, I was a team lead at one point in, in the same vertical. Um, so what is a VAR? Let's, what does VAR stand for? Uh, maybe I'm putting on the spot there, but what does VAR stand for and what, what does that really mean? Yeah, value-added reseller. And, um, you know, as, as my friend and co-host of the podcast that I'm on, Art of Network Engineering, uh, Aaron might say, the name is in the recipe. Uh, so we don't just sell you stuff. We add value while we sell you stuff. Uh, and, and so we'll work with you throughout the entire process. We'll help you design a solution, make sure that the solution fits in your network and works with other things that you have. Uh, and, and most importantly, and, and part of my job is to help you uh, quote unquote, adopt that technology into your environment and make sure that you're getting the most out of it while you're using it. That's great. Now you mentioned something, and I want to just make sure I, I, I highlight it again. So you you're a, a host, a co-host of another podcast. What's that podcast again? It is the Art of Network Engineering. And where can people find that? Uh, you can find us on artofnetworkengineering.com and pretty much anywhere there's podcasts. Uh, so you know. Spotify, iTunes, Google, uh, you know, just about anywhere that you can find a podcast, I think you can find us. Um, 
But if you if you can't find us, let me know and <laughs> I'll get it signed up there. No worries, no worries. Um, so I will have the link obviously in the show notes. Um, and I have been on their podcast twice. I think one has actually been published. I, I maybe I, I missed the date for the other one. I don't know. But um, so real quick, I'm going to do a quick spiel. It's a great community. It's a great show that they have. They have a Discord server for, or a Discord server. Is that what they call it? I think they call it a Discord yeah, server, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm like yep. it's because usually it's a Slack group. It's you know, but. I wasn't sure if it's a Discord group. Um, obviously, I'm showing my age. I don't know these terms as Discord and whatnot. But uh, no, they have a great community, and it's really it's really inspiring. And so if it's something you guys wanted to um, enjoy and be a part of, um, they really are inspiring every day. There's a lot of motivation going on. Uh, people saying hi every morning. They're working on certifications, working on career moves. It, you can be in anywhere in your career working on anything in IT, in networking, and you can be part of this group. And maybe I didn't highlight that very well, AJ, so you know, you yell at me if I didn't. That's fine. No, man, you you nailed it. You right. nailed it. It's all about the journey, right? That's the whole point. That's it's right. all about the journey. Exactly. All right, awesome. I wanted to make sure we highlighted that a little bit. We'll probably do that a couple more times because I think that's extremely valuable and, and it's something that everyone should definitely go and join and be a part of that that environment. So, All right, so let's talk about the network engineering role that you fill um, at your value-added reseller today. Let's talk about the actually engineering part, not the team lead part, but like the engineering part. You know, what what is that role for you today? What does it mean? So as a, a senior deployment engineer, it's, uh, you know, a little bit different than just a regular deployment engineer. Um, we take on a lot of our own projects. It's a little more uh, hands-off. If we need help, obviously we can get that. Um, but we're looked to as a, as a senior person in, in a particular, particular technology vertical. And so when other engineers need assistance, they come to us. If there's assistance needed on pre-sales, we'll jump into the pre-sale conversation. Uh, but that's typically not where you'll find us. Um, but we, you know, we, we certainly love to, to jump into that part of the whole process. Um, and then we kind of help manage the project. Like we have project managers that manage the milestones and, and everything like that. But, um, you know, we work with the customer to learn about their environment and, uh, you know, get the details that we need, how they want, you know, this particular solution, whatever they purchased, uh, set up and deployed in their environment. Um, and, and so it's, it's a lot of nerd knobs and that's oh, what I love. Hey. So a lot of nerd knobs. I mean, it sounds like you do a lot of things, right? It sounds like yeah. you don't just, you're not just doing the engineering aspect. You're doing the design, um, document writing. Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. 100%. So, yep. so maybe why don't you go in a day of the life of what you do? Like, you know, you wake up in the morning, you have your coffee, whatever. Maybe you don't drink coffee. I don't know, right? <laughs> oh, Energy yeah. drinks. Yeah, it's, you wake up at four in the morning, right? No, that's me. Sorry. No, you wake no, up. No, no. <laughs> um, so, so... You, you know, you're on a you're on an engagement, a project, or whatever. And and what's the beginning of that project? Because I don't know if a day in life is actually an accurate description, right? I'm sure it's more of a what's the beginning of that project all the way to the end, high level bullets of what you do. Sure, sure. So so we typically will kick off with like an internal meeting where it's just you know everybody except for the customer, and it's just okay. Here's here's the project. Here's the the deliverables. The statement of work. Uh, and you know we'll review the bill of materials, which has already been reviewed at least two or three times before then. <laughs> but we we review it one last time, make sure everything's there. You know, in case there's any last minute things that need to get ordered. Uh, and then we'll approve everything and, and move on to the customer kickoff meeting. And uh, we'll you know depending on the size of the project, the size of the customer, we'll, we'll meet everybody on the customer side. We'll 
you know, introduce them to everybody on, on our side. Because, you know, as far as me for the deployment engineer, unless I was involved in the pre-sale, this is typically my first time meeting the customer and, you know, understanding from their perspective what this project means to them. And then um, after the kickoff meeting, we'll set some dates for design. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk, talk specifically in greater detail on what this project is going to look like, uh, what their, you know, specific requirements are. Uh, and then we'll start to build out uh, the information that we need in order to successfully deploy, you know, whatever it is that we're doing. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, so there's a lot there, right? So the first time you get the project or you see anything about the project, so someone else actually like sells it, right? Because you're, you're a development deployment engineer. So there's a pre-sales part of this. So there's someone else that actually sells the, the solution to the customer, both the hardware, mm-hmm. software, products, whatever, but then also the services portion of it, right? Which is what you are. You're on the services side or professional services or, or de- deployment, right? Um, and then you get involved. And so your process is you get the statement of work. And just so everyone knows what a statement of work is, that's a high-level document kind of articulating what you're on the hook to do. Right, really, from a services perspective, it's like, hey, we exactly. have these these milestones, right? And you know, maybe they'll get a certain amount of money per milestone once it's once they hit that milestone or whatever. Or you guys, mm-hmm. not the customer, the customer pays you on certain milestones. You don't pay the customer. Um, am I am I articulating it all correctly though? Hey, oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. It helps I was working at a bar, right? I was just trying to <laughs> highlight those, right? I don't know if everyone else would know what a statement of work is. What's a bill of materials? Uh, so the bill of materials is everything that we would need for for a given deployment. So, um, you know, if we're talking about a, a chassis switch, you know, how many chassis did we get? What are the line cards that are there? How many power supplies did we get? Um, how, you know, do we need SFPs or anything of that nature? Um, sometimes it includes things like cables. Uh, sometimes the customer decides to order that somewhere else or a different source. Uh, we'll go over licensing as well. And then, you know, did they get, uh, any sort of technical support or, or support contracts or whatever tied to the, the to those devices. Okay, cool. So it's everything that you purchased. Now, I'm going to ask this question, and it wasn't planned, right? As always, I don't plan everything out. That's not the point. It's not scripted. So, you know, what happens if that pre-sales engineer got something wrong? That never happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> I I wish I could say it never happens, but it happens. Yes, uh, yes it does. And, and sometimes it's just like, you know, especially today when, when everything's remote, right? Like, you know, it used to be easier when you could go on site, have a look at everything. Uh, and I think now because of the remote nature, we're kind of taking everything at, you know, the customer's word and, you know, maybe they forgot to share a detail with us or something like that. Um, I think it depends on what, what it was that got missed. Uh, you know, we will handle it in different ways. Sometimes, you know, as, as, as the bar, we'll just kind of eat the cost, be like, okay, whatever. They forgot like one cable or an SFP or something like that. No big deal. Uh, but if it's a bigger miss, you know, then we have to go back and have the conversation with the customer like, oh, well, you know, due to some, you know, new knowledge, we've learned this about, you know, this situation. And so, you know, here's how we want to propose it. And it's going to, you know, well, maybe, depending on what it is, like maybe we'll split the cost or something like that. I've I've certainly been on both sides. I was a customer, and and that stuff has happened to me. And I appreciate how at least the bars that I've worked with have handled those situations. Okay, no, that's good. That's good, right? So in my experience, a lot of it's always like power cables. Like we had, didn't get the right power cables for the devices. I was just curious. Is that something that's similar to you guys too? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. It's always like the, a different country's power cables cable. are always the crutch right there. <laughs> yeah, and I, I go on site and then I'm going to rack the equipment. I go to power it up. I'm like, okay, we don't have the right power cables. And then it's like a mad dash to go find the power cables at some place. I can't even imagine doing that now with all this going on with COVID and the pandemic. Like, because you're not going on site, right? I mean, are you relying on the customer to rack everything up and power it all on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I would say that it was a good. It was a good split of like 60, 40 before where I would uh, get projects where I was traveling like a lot, like all throughout New England, Northeast part of the United States. And I've even gone around the country for some of the projects that I've done. You know, I, I primarily serve the Northeast, which, you know, if you're looking at a map, it's like New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and then all the way on up to Maine. Right. But I go where the work is. If my skills are needed somewhere else, then, then that's where I'm going. Um, but, but with COVID-19, um, I, there was been a couple of local projects. I haven't stepped on a plane in I don't know how long. <laughs> I know. Uh, and quite quite honestly, in the past couple of months, um, other than some really local stuff, I haven't had to to drive for work. Wow, wow. I haven't I haven't flown in so long. Uh, my day job, I, I'm also a traveler, and I travel ninety percent of the time. And I haven't been on a plane in since uh, I think February, right before everything hit. Um, so, you know, we're around in almost a year and, uh, when you haven't, I don't know about you. I mean, I've had to change our whole entire business model, like not, not like our business model. I work at Cisco obviously, but not our business model. Right. But like how we do our business internal, because I don't travel anymore. <laughs> like, so it's like, we have to figure out all new ways to, to drive what we do from a post sales perspective or services perspective. Um, how about you? How yep. about it's all different, right? Yeah. Yeah, completely, completely. It's a, it's a lot more, you know, remote sessions, you know, let's, yeah. let's fire up a WebEx. Let's, uh, you know, let me take control, you know, as long as they get everything rack stacked and powered on and console cable connected, I can take it from there. I would like to highlight a couple things about the role that you're in, right? Like the, it's a senior kind of network deployment engineer role. Um, but really it's, it's pretty high level, right? I mean, you have to know a lot of things. Uh, things is probably the wrong word. Um, you have to be a, a fairly, you have to be almost like a generalist, but you have to be a specialist in a number of things, number of technologies, there's a better word, um, because you're you're like given kind of free reign to do the work you need to do um, and make it successful with that customer. You know, I'm assuming you're going to create a design in that design phase. You're going to put a design in a document. What's that document called if you have a design document? Well, high-level design, low-level design. Yeah, any. Let's start there, right? Do you have a high-level design document, an HLD, or I don't know what you guys would call it. Yeah, so, you know, I'm kind of we'll usually get there. an HLD handed off to us from pre-sales, uh, you know, and it's just like, okay, here's here's the general moving parts. You know, they want to do some sort of, you know, uh, FHRP here, uh, you know, but it's not determined exactly which one, and then we got to come in and say, okay, well, you know, are they familiar with HSRP, or would they rather us do? VRP or something like that. So we'll we'll handle the low level design. That's cool. Okay, so someone on the pre sales side, so not just the the build materials and the statement of work and all that stuff. The the pre sales guys do the high level design, but they don't go down to the actual protocol specific things. They go, uh, okay, you need a first top redundancy protocol, but I'm not going to tell you which one, right? Like that's where they kind of stop. It's more of like you need this right. capability, and then that's it. And that high level design, they have the hardware. They have the line cards, the ports, the protocol, or not the protocols, the, the the cabling. And then it's on you to be like, okay, well, you need FHRP, or sorry, first top redundancy protocols. So let's do HSRP or VRP or GLBP or whatever, right? 
Um, right. Same thing for probably routing protocols, and I take it, right? So, like, you would determine which routing protocol. Um, they would say you need a routing protocol, probably. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, sometimes it's already determined by the customer's environment. Maybe they're already using OSPF or IRP, oh, cool. but, um, you know, so, sometimes those details aren't clearly stated in the HLB because that's information the customer, you know, already knows. They already know what's uh, running in their environment, okay, gotcha. so they don't necessarily slap it on the document. And it's not until, you know, I show up to kind of understand, okay, what do you got going on here? And they'll explain to us, like, oh, well, we run EIGRP. At that point, um, I'm, I mean, I'm harping on the process, right? I think it's it's kind of an interesting perspective to take because I don't think a lot of people actually know this process. Um, I think a lot of people are full-time, you know, junior network engineers and network engineers, senior network engineers at a company, and they're doing, you know, the normal kind of O&M tasks, operation maintenance tasks, and project tasks for that company. But they don't know potentially how to leverage a, a value-added reseller and that staffing there and leveraging their project experience like you, right? Like your your SD-WAN or SDA experience um, to deploy a solution for them and then kind of like give them what they need to be successful and then kind of walk away. Um, I'm, I'm rambling again as always. Um, what what are some uh, some kind of tips you would give to a network engineer that's on that other side, right? So like if I, let's pretend I'm a customer of yours and we're deploying SD-WAN, you know, what are the tips you would give me to say, hey, this is how we have to, you know, make this successful. Here are the things that um, you need to do to, to make sure I get all the information I need and we, you need to do to make sure that we're good from here to the end of that project. Maybe it's a completely inaccurate description, but sometimes I like to think of myself as like the SWAT team of network engineering or the special forces of network engineering. I, I have a very special set of skills and I get called into you know, certain situations to help deploy very specific things. Uh, and, and so the biggest thing that helps me is documentation. <laughs> documentation, documentation, documentation. And, and a really good place to start are going to be the documents that you as the customer will collect from the partner throughout this process because you're going to get a bill of materials. You're going to get the high-level design and the low-level design, and then I'm going to provide you some as-built documents, which will, you know, it's like, here's here's what we're going to do, uh, then we'll do it, and then I'm going to tell you what I did. And sometimes, because of, you know, various reasons, sometimes what I did is a little bit different than what we set out to do. Uh, and so you, you take that as-built documentation, the bill of materials and everything, and you put that together, and that's now your network documentation. But that's that's your network documentation for that point in time. Now it's up to you as the customer to keep that stuff up to date as time progresses. Because then when you call us back in to do another project, that environment will undoubtedly have changed since the last time I was in there. And it will help me if your documentation is up to date the next time I show up to do a, a project for you. So that, that's that's great information, I think, because I think that people are going to find that very useful and it's going to help them be successful when they do engage a, a deployment engineer like yourself at a deployment team. Um, so, so let's get into a little bit more concepts. Like, do you only handle like one project at a time or do you have multiple projects ongoing? Uh, I have multiple projects ongoing at any given time. And that's part of the reason why I really love this job, because I'm seeing new networks like every couple of weeks. Um, and you know, it, one week it's Meraki and the next week it's Nexus. And the week after that, we're talking DNA center. And, um, I've been working on a project that's has me doing NSO. 
network services orchestration, and uh, it's it's just a whole lot of fun. So you're, you're you're touching technology, and you're touching different technology and different projects, and it's 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 like week to week, right? Now, um, so that you're getting so. Uh, what's the word? You're getting exposed to so much and it's real world, right? You're getting exposed to all these things in a real production environment and you're either migrating away from something or migrating to it. You're deploying something new and, and then you, you're getting all that experience. You're, you're also probably training. I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I'm assuming you're training. Absolutely. Um, what do you yeah. guys call training? I know I always call it like um, knowledge transfer or something like that. Um, you know, it, it depends. Like if it's, if we're working with a, a junior engineer, it's usually like on the job training, but we'll be very transparent about that. You know, when we're on a call with a customer, if we have a junior engineer that, you know, we're not just going to shove them in there and say like, okay, good luck, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll be transparent with the customer like, oh, you know, hi, I'm, I'm AJ, I'm your lead engineer for this project, but, uh, here I have, you know, somebody else that's uh, a little bit greener here for the ride. Here you have Zig and he doesn't know anything about SD-WAN and you're going <laughs> to teach him all about SD-WAN. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. Uh, now, what about the customer side? Do you train them too? Uh, yeah, and the degree to which we train them varies. It depends on on how much training they want from us. Um, there are some customers that specifically want to build uh, eight hours of training time on this new, um, you know, product or whatever, like into the project. Or sometimes handing off the documents uh, at the end of the project is is enough training for them. You know, if if it's just simply migrating to a newer version of something they already have uh they're they're typically fine with with, you know taking the helm after we've got it implemented so when you're in these you know you're seeing all these new different technologies week to week or every couple weeks um and i'm sure you hit uh, a technology they never touched before um so what do you do in those circumstances um if you haven't seen something or you see something you haven't learned before yeah. So, you know, particularly if it's a Cisco technology, one of the first places that I'll start are Cisco live on demand sessions, mm. uh, because those usually give like a great overview of the technology. Some of them even talk about deploying, uh, you know, in a new environment or if you want to set up a lab. So the, there's lots of great resources for Cisco live on demand. Um, from there, I have some additional resources that I use like, you know, video, video based training, right? Um, you know, CBT Nuggets, Pluralsight, something like that. Some of it's, you know, personal that I, you know, have on hand for myself. Some of it's company provided. Um, and, and then, of course, there's always like white papers, uh, Cisco verified designs, depending on what, what the, the subject is, right? So there's lots of really good resources out there for me to, you know, start playing. And then now, you know, like even with Cisco DevNet, uh, if, if there's something like automation-wise that I need to jump in and, and learn, there's the sandboxes. There's lots of great labs. Uh, so there's plenty of resources uh, that I like to walk through when I'm learning something new. All right. So you're, you're learning it on the fly, right? Because that's what you have to do. Um, are, are you given time to learn that, though? Like, that's my biggest question. Like, Th- Thankfully, we are. Uh, it, you know, usually sales has enough heads up like, hey, this is coming and this might be new for, you know, somebody. Okay, or cool, cool. You know, maybe, maybe it's something that, you know, we see, but we don't see it often or, or whatever. We're usually given a heads up. And if it's like a, a, like a, a huge project, um, you know, they'll, they'll let us know well in advance and we'll start carving out some time to, you know, start playing with the new stuff. Good. I, I was just curious because I've been in some situations in the past where like, yeah, they don't give you that time that they don't know. And it's not proactive and um, it's on you. Like you're stuck in the situation where you have to learn it on the fly. And then you have to become an expert overnight with it, right? You have to learn it enough that when you go on site at the customer, you're not like 
teaching them something wrong and you're not you know if the customer knows more than you then there's no sense in you know doing the engagement in my opinion so um i'm glad that you guys are they're giving you time to do it because that that's a that's success right there right and if there's not time to learn because in this day and age we're not going to know everything right we're just not going to know everything right right so right and with as much as i touch too like sometimes i need to review (laughs) oh yeah exactly (laughs) right like i I, I think it's, it's, even though it's one of the things I love, it's also one of the, I, I think, kind of um, pitfalls of this position is that I don't live and breathe in an environment every day. Like, I don't operate a network. I operate many networks. Um, and I'm only there for, you know, a very short period of time. So I don't always get a chance to get super familiar with some of these things, at least not as familiar as, as I would like to be in some cases. Like, I don't, I don't operate a network full-time that does OSPF or EIGRP or BGP. I help set up BGP and then I leave. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, so I'm going to dive into hopefully a hypothetical or potentially example situation. Maybe uh, I was just brainstorming this in my head. Um, so let's say we're maybe you have a, a DNA center project, I guess, since that is resonating here um, in my mind. Um, can you go through the process like that you'd go through on, know everything from beginning to end with the project with the customer and let's say it's a very large project right with multiple obviously dna center and you have ice um you have you know we're cisco specific is an example here but you have ice and all these other facets of dna center and sda um yeah just kind of go through it if you don't mind yeah sure so so on a very large project like that um you know what now that you mention it we are actually in the early stages of a very large deployment that will include sd access sd wan and replacing all of the routers and switches at over 300 remote sites. So um, we're, we're kind of doing that right now. So uh, in, in that case, um, we will have multiple deployment engineers on the project, uh, you know, senior network engineers, junior network engineers, uh, and we will go through the design phase and almost all of the senior engineers will probably have some type of lead role, so like a lead technologist. So, you know, somebody will take the lead with SD-WAN, somebody will take the lead with DNA Center, somebody will take the lead with ICE. And, you know, they will work on their individual components, but then, of course, all of those things talk to each other. And so we will, you know, continue to work in tandem on, okay, well, once I get my, you know, VM stood up, here's the information I need to provide to you, here's the information I need from you, in order to make you know these two things talk together, uh, and then once we get everything stood up, we'll go through like a proof of concept, almost like you know, is this working as as we think it should be? Uh, are we able to deploy new devices through DNA Center and get the fabric up? Um, and, and then once we have this kind of process templatized, we can then take it, run through it a few times, make sure it's working. Uh, and then after that, we can pass it off to, say, a junior engineer with some instructions and have them, you know, replace some routers and switches at a site and make sure that they come up in the SD-WAN fabric, make sure that they come up in the SDA fabric and everything's happy. Wow. So, I mean, it's really a collaborative environment. Um, you're, you're also leveraging multiple skill sets, multiple people. Um, so, like, talking, communicating must be important. You must have Absolutely, some sort of function yeah. of, like, quarterbacking the engagement, right? Um, is that kind of you as that, that lead, right? That, that kind of lead, um, person, are you kind of quarterbacking, quarterbacking? Yeah, there we go. Are you quarterbacking these engagements being the lead? Yeah, de- definitely not, not on all of them. I mean, we have multiple senior engineers, um, but you know, there are certainly projects where I will be designated the 
lead engineer for the project. And so I am, you know, the consistent face for the customer side. If they have a technical question, you know, anything to do with the project, they'll start with me first. And then, you know, I will, you know, either answer the question or pass them off to the appropriate engineer to answer their question. Right. So do you mind if we dive into kind of the team lead responsibilities a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I, th- yeah. I think it would be great to hear kind of what, what you do as a team lead, uh, how many people are on your team. And, and I think it could be even be better. Like, are they, do they report to you? How does that kind of function? Yeah, sure. So uh, the team lead role is new for me and it's uh, actually new for the organization that I work for. Um, we have decided that, you know, and it's amazing the growth that we've seen in the last year. So, <laughs> I, I, I'm on the North Northeast Enterprise Network team, and a year ago, that team did not exist. Oh, look at that! And you're and, a guinea pig, so pretty much. You're the guinea pig, right? It you're was, the team lead, right? Yeah, and, and so it formed in late December, early January of this year, and it was literally me, uh, two other engineers, and then our our lead engineer, uh, our, and he's now the manager of of the Enterprise Networking team for the Northeast because we now have over 10 people on this team. It's, it's wow. crazy how much wow. it's grown just since uh, January. So um, as, as a team lead, I have uh, three or four engineers that report to me, and I say four or four because um, there's a couple of pending hires. Oh, nice. Um, and, and so for them, you know, I, I, I'm, the, I'm basically their, their manager. We work together. We create some goals for them to achieve throughout the year. We want to make sure that they feel like they're having some good growth. Uh, I manage their project responsibilities or, or, or their projects that they get assigned. Uh, and so I help review statements of work after those are approved and we get, you know, the word back that the customer has purchased. Then we'll take and assign those statements of work, those projects to particular engineers. So I kind of, Make sure that the work is, is load balanced or uh, placed with the appropriately skilled engineer. So if I've got an ICE project, I'll place it with a particular engineer that's really good with ICE, right? Or, you know, a Meraki project, whatever the case may be. That's cool, though. Like, it's a whole different ballpark right there. You're really kind of directing yeah. traffic and, and validating and then also probably, what, handling uh, technical alignment and training and all those things. Yep, Exactly. And, you know, making sure that the, the engineers that work for me, like, feel supported that, you know, if they, they need, you know, training or if they need bench time or if they need time to study for a certification, I, I help provide that kind of air cover for them. So that way, you know, if somebody's like, oh, well, we need an engineer to do this, it's like, well, then you might have to go check with another team because my guys are, are busy right now. Nice, nice. No, I think that's good, right? But you still are technical, right? So it's not like you're a full-time manager. Like, let me Correct. rephrase that. You yeah. are a full-time manager because you're managing a team, right? But you're not doing management tasks full-time because you're able to kind of do, what is that split? Like 40%, 60%, 10%, 90%? Right. So it, it's my, my time is still billable. And the goal is that a minimum of 50% of my time is still billable. Okay. Yeah, that's not bad, uh, though. And, and so it's expected that a portion, the remaining 50%, a portion of it is just you know, the management and the administrative stuff that, that I have to do as a manager uh, or a team lead. And then, you know, the rest of it is a little bit of studying or, you know, required training, wh- whatever the case may be. And, and just so we're, everyone understands, billable means you're, you're customer facing, you're, you're on a customer engagement. Um, and so you're you're technically on their, their project and you're able to build their whatever, however you guys do it um, from a financial perspective. But then your company is going to get paid for those hours towards that customer. 
Exactly. Yeah. Just making sure because I don't know if I I know I know what billable means, but I don't know if everyone else knows <laughs> what billable is. And they're like, uh, maybe that's something we should define. You know, like good point. Good point. Um, I try to think of everyone else is listening. You know, because I don't. I make a lot of assumptions though. So, no, that that sounds actually like a role that I I always liked. Right, like being that kind of team lead, that principal, architect, engineer, whatever. Um, now I never actually had people reporting to me. It was always like a dotted line um where like i had five engineers that were like i'm the lead um or the you know the principal or whatever um and everything went for me from a technical perspective but i never actually managed the people and so i was part of like the review process i was part of pay raises all the admin stuff but i didn't have to worry about like anything else i didn't want to do um so i felt like it was like the best of both worlds uh, for you you actually are doing all the admin stuff you're doing the management stuff but you're also doing the technical stuff um so it's really kind of like dual hatted right yeah exactly and for me it's best of both worlds because i i came prior to the this position i came from a leadership background i was an it manager and you know that that's definitely a part of the job that i really do enjoy uh, you know, I, I like, it's not that I like having people like reporting to me or something like that. Right. It's, you know, I, I like building the team. I like making sure that, you know, people feel like they have a place where they're working, uh, and that they have, you know, a runway and, and a place that they can, you know, work and enjoy and, and stuff like that. And, and so I'm proud to be a part of the culture of this company and help shape that and what that looks like for the people that work for me. That's awesome. I think that's great. It sounds like it's the job you wanted, right? The job that you kind of were made for. Yeah, 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 really. Because I, I really did enjoy like the management piece, but I, I woke up one day and realized like I'm not doing the tech anymore, and I want to get back to the tech. Well, that's that's always my my concern is I don't want to go a manager route because I won't be hands on, and I don't. Yeah. yeah, I just I love. I mean, even in my role today, like it's higher level. I'm not on the command line anymore personally. I, I don't touch the command line. I don't touch the GUI. I don't I don't click buttons. Uh, I'm in PowerPoint, you know, and that I mean I, I'm good at what I do, right? So um but there's there's some drawbacks. Like I would like to do go deploy MPLS, you know, like I'd like to go play with a tech, go do some SD WAN yeah. and SDA, you know, it's not always um but I still am very good at my job and I'm helping my customers. So it's just a give and take, I guess. All right, so um, I think that's good stuff right there. So I've got a couple of questions. They're pointed questions as always, right? So, you know, from a from a certification perspective, you know, what, what would you recommend are the certs that, that you should go after uh, to be kind of in these roles? Uh, well, definitely the CCNP. I, I mean, you know, if you don't have it yet, get your CCNA because that, that's definitely like a stepping stone. Um, but definitely the CCNP. Um, after I got the CCNP, even though it wasn't necessary for me to be a senior network engineer, or senior deployment engineer, it helps, right? Like if I'm going to have people reporting to me, then it helps that I have a professional level certification. Nice, nice. Um, so here, here's some questions, right? So like, you know, I always ask someone that I'm on these, these demystifying sessions with, like, how can someone get into this role, right? And usually it's like a, a network engineer role and you're a junior network engineer and you're kind of just starting out. But this is a little different, right? Because, and maybe I'm wrong and you can, again, you can tell me, right? I'm making a, an assumption here. Um, you kind of can't be a junior network engineer, I don't think, in this role. You kind of have to be kind of a seasoned-ish network engineer. You kind of have to have your CCNAs or your CCMPs, like you said. Um, you kind of have to be able to be a self-starter and be able to work on these projects without a lot of supervision. Um, is that all accurate statements? Um, actually, 
for for us, you, you can be a junior network engineer. Oh, we cool. hire junior network engineers. Um, it, you don't have to have your CCNA. Does it help? Absolutely. But if if you're you know if you are a self starter, if you can work you know unsupervised for periods of time, because that, you know especially now everything's remote, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we we don't all sit in a cubicle farm. We don't have our boss you know around us all the time. Uh, I work out of my house by myself. Yep. <laughs> so our um, new yeah, norm, man. It's our new norm. Yeah, exactly. You definitely got to be a self-starter. But, um, you know, we always have projects where, and, and even now during during COVID-19, we always have projects where um, we need smart hands. You know, the, it's in the statement of work that we will go on site and we will do the rack and stack. Um, sometimes we're doing projects that are very complicated, um, you know, deployments. And sometimes we're doing stuff as simple as, iOS software updates on a bunch of switches for a customer because they would rather hold us accountable if something goes wrong yep. than, than them, you know, do the trigger themselves. It's all liability um, and all that nonsense. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, sometimes we're just doing router swap outs, right? Like, you know, a customer has some really old ISRs and they want to upgrade them to the new 4K ISRs. So um, it's, the, the environment's healthy, working well, so there's not much that you can, you know, really trim off the config. It's copy, cut, paste, and install the new router. Uh, and, and so that work will, I think, always be there for a value-added reseller, no matter who, who they are. And and so, um, but that that's where a junior network engineer can come in, do that work, uh, and, and then step into or grow into a role such as this, a senior deployment engineer. So that's interesting. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a value added reseller take junior junior kind of network engineers or have a lot of junior network engineer roles. Um, so that's I think that's a great opportunity. Um, what would you tell someone that wants that role? What should they do? What would you what would be your tips, tricks, suggestions, whatever you want to terminize that as? <laughs> uh, well, definitely pursue the CCNA. Um, at working for a a you know in particular a Cisco partner. Um, you know, it's, it's required that you have Cisco certified people on staff. And, and so showing that you can obtain and then maintain certifications, uh, throughout your career will definitely be beneficial to you and, uh, the value added reseller that you work for. I, I have a number of certifications, not just Cisco. I've, I've got, you know, a bunch with Juniper. I have a few with Silver Peak and some with VMware and, uh, you know, of course my Cisco ones, but, um, you know, Get it, getting that paper and maintaining it will will be valuable to the company that you work for because that maintains their partnerships and then um, it it, it kind of gives the customer a warm feeling too right like uh, when the engineer comes in and they're they're CCNP then there's a certain level of confidence the customer has that the right person is there to do the work so um, that's not everything though that's um, only a part of it definitely being a self-starter, being motivated, um, having a lab goes a long way. It's like it, having a home lab for me, and I have both physical gear and I've got uh, CML2, I can run through scenarios in my lab before I go and, and do them in a customer environment. And that makes me feel a whole lot better. <laughs> 
Well, you can practice and, and figure it out before you get on site and you actually can see. Yeah. Like, you like, you exactly. have some confidence, right? Even if you're doing something basic, you have some confidence into it before you go on site. hate to go on site and, and pretty much make a huge mistake, right? Or, or say something wrong or write the config wrong. I mean, that's, it, it's not a good situation. You're there to be helpful um, and help that customer. So I could, I could totally understand that hundred percent. Um, any other suggestions, comments, tips, tricks? Or is that it? Um, it? You know, I'll just say it's a lot of fun. Like I said, you know, before when I was working in a customer environment, we, we had maybe two or three major projects in a year. And, and it was always the projects that was the fun time because we were digging in with new stuff. And, and now it's, it's new stuff all the time. Um, I, I get to meet new customers. I also get to work with a lot of the same customers. Some of them will, will ask for me back by name. Uh, and, and it's great to you know, build those relationships, get to know those people a little bit better, get to know their environments a little bit better because the better I know their environment, the, the better the suggestions I can make for, you know, future improvements and stuff like that for them. Uh, and, and it's just, it's a whole lot of fun and I can't understate that enough. It's a ton of fun to do what I do. Nice, nice. Uh, so there's another question I had um, that I didn't get it. I forgot it earlier, honestly. I'll be fully transparent i totally forgot it and i wanted to ask it and then i forgot and so now i'm remembering it so um that's how i do things um so let's let's talk about these these projects you're doing and i'm assuming you're doing some of this work in like a maintenance window um how do you handle how do you properly handle network maintenances well one thing that i like is that i have full control over my schedule <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, of course, with, with things like maintenance windows, I, I am at the will of the customer, right? It, you know, if they can only do maintenance windows, you know, at certain times of the day, like you know, seven o'clock on a Saturday evening, then then that's when I got to do it. Um, but if I'm not available this Saturday, we got to move it to the next Saturday. Then then that's my call too. Um, really, it, it comes down to the customer and and their comfort level. You know, if if the switch that we're or, or you know the change that we're making or whatever we're doing is low impact, you know, you know I'll I'll tell them that like this is pretty low impact. We could probably do this during business hours. Or if it's going to be even medium or high impact, then let's just kick it to after hours just to be safe, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and and so when changes like that come up, I, I make sure to you know almost write a a script like how how this is going to go. Here's the changes that we need to make. Um, here's the actual commands that we're going to use to do them. If something's not going to go as planned, here's our rollback plan. Nice. Um, if, if, if the changes go through successfully, here's how we verify success. You know, what show commands are we going to use to, to literally show us that what we did, uh, did what we thought it did. That's awesome. So you have a plan, a plan of attack, and you don't really deviate from that plan of attack. I have, and it's bad, so don't don't deviate from your plan of attack. I'm you. um, it's been really Always bad. Always have times. a plan. You can't go into, even the smallest network changes, you can't go in without any sort of plan. you got to have a plan. you got to have a plan. Um and I, I would add this one thing from my own experience, just as a tidbit. So I always say, if you think it's going to take, let's say you think that maintenance window is going to take two hours, then you double the maintenance window. Always double the maintenance window. Um, I, I say that. Window. So, and uh, you know, if you have four hours, tell them you need eight hours because you never know what's going to happen. And if you finish early, that's great. It makes you look really good. And if you, you know, say you only need two hours and you tell them you only need two hours and you're like at the... 90 minute mark are like yeah we're not going to be done in two hours so we're going to need another two hours it makes you look really bad so just yeah. to yeah i i can't tell you that when i first started in this position i'd tell the customer like oh this should only take like an hour and we spend 45 minutes just trying to get the remote control to work through webex yeah 
it, yeah, especially <laughs> with the remote, like with the COVID and pandemic and yeah. doing remote. Oh gosh, I can only imagine all the different hoops and hurdles you're having to draw, you know, jump through and yeah. dive through with fire rings. With, with some of these remote technologies, there's like a fancy web app built in, right? So you can do it right from Chrome or Firefox. But what they don't tell you is when you launch into that version of the platform, you can't do remote control. <laughs> Awesome. So then we got to back out like, okay, download the app this time. Don't go through the website. And you're like, okay, well, that must be a feature, right? It's a, yeah. <laughs> must be a feature. <laughs> exactly. So, well, um, do you have any last minute kind of comments, questions, concerns, anything you want to say? Uh, hints, suggestions? Whatever. Um, you know, if, if there's anything that we didn't cover, I would, uh, I would love for people to reach out, ask questions. Uh, you know, I'm, I love being a resource for anybody, especially if it's someone that wants to get into a role like this. Uh, I'm more than happy to, to work with them and, and give them some advice depending on, you know, their current situation. Nice. Nice. Um, and what certification are you going after again? I know you're, you're studying for something, aren't you? Yes, I am currently studying for the Cisco DevNet Associate. Oh, me too. I am horribly behind that 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 bandwagon. Do you have that scheduled? I, I know a few of our colleagues have that scheduled already, but I don't. So, um, I do currently have it scheduled for next week, but um, I I might kick it down the road just a little bit. I, I'm about three quarters of the way through the book, and I don't want to rush it. So, no, that's good. See, got to make those decisions to like. I'm not. I'm not ready. It's real. I'm not ready. Let's move it. Let's move it a week or two yep. or something. You know, I, I always wanna... schedule it first thing when I start out on a new cert. Otherwise, I find that there's just you know not enough pressure for me to, to keep going on the studying. So that's when I decide I'm going to do something. Schedule it that way. The pressure's there. It's on. I got a date. I did the same get... thing. So that's that's a good that's a good takeaway right there, right? So if you're something you a goal or whatever you're trying to achieve and whatever you're doing, you just schedule it, right? Even if you yeah. schedule it out three months, right, or whatever schedule it and then it pushes you to make progress and if you're not ready then push it a little bit but don't don't i would say don't make that an, an excuse all the time like don't keep right. pushing it like a year two years three years um i did that with like a lot of my training like um marathon training i, I did some marathons years ago and um like i would just schedule races i would schedule a, a 5k every month and just take a 5k i'd schedule a 10k or a half marathon every quarter and i would just do it man same thing just just and then it motivates you almost it's like okay well i gotta run today <laughs> i gotta or if you're studying for you know an exam i gotta study i have the exam coming up i gotta study so it is what it is you know yep. um well hey man I, aj i appreciate you i really do thanks for joining us today um where can everyone find you but you told you told us that they could reach out to you so where can they find you on the interweb interwebs Absolutely. So on Twitter, you can find me. I'm at no blinky blinky. Ooh, I awesome. blog on, on my blog. Uh, it's blog.noblinkyblinky.com. Uh, and so, you know, you can you know, hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open. You can go to my, my website and there's a contact form there. You can drop your information, questions, comments, whatever, and uh, it'll find my inbox. You can email me, noblinkyblinky at gmail.com. And then, of course, uh, you can always find me at theartofnetworkengineering.com as well. Nice, nice. Now, where is the origination of No Blinky Blinky? Because that's that's cool. <laughs> so that is something I, I'm not going to claim that I, I created that or coined that phrase because uh, I have heard other engineers use it. Um, but it's something that I've always said, you know, whenever you're troubleshooting some sort of network connectivity issues, you know, somebody makes a change, I'm on the other end, like, nope, No Blinky Blinky, what do we got to do to get that port up? Let's figure it out. 
That's awesome. I love it. Well, I appreciate you, man. Um, everyone that, uh, all the links that, so all the things that AJ just said, all those links are going to be in the show notes. So there'll be really, really quick, easy ways to connect to AJ, uh, on all his personal content. And then also I will create a dedicated link for a one. So that's the art of network engineering. And that's going to be zigbits.tech slash a one. So a is an apple. <laughs> so I'll do it phonetically alpha Oscar, November echo. A-O-N-E, all right? Um, so you can access any of the Art of Networking, Art of Network Engineering content on that link, and you'll get all the way there, the Discord channel, the groups, the the blog posts, the podcasts, everything. Oh, that was a lot. Sorry. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to wrap it up, buddy, if you don't have anything else. No, thank you so much for having me, Zane. This has been great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I, I've enjoyed it too, buddy. All right, so, um, hey, friends, we're going to wrap up today's show. Uh if you liked what we're doing today, let us know. You can reach out to us on all the socials. Um, you can reach out to me at Zig underscore Ziga on Twitter or find Zig Ziga anywhere that we have social media these days. You can also find the podcast brand Zigbits on all those social medias as well. That's Z-I-G-B-I-T-S. Uh, you can always email me at zig at zigbits.tech and I will respond fairly quickly these days. Um, you can also join our email list. That is a zigbits.tech slash email, all one word, to stay in the know on all new content, podcast episodes, YouTube content, uh, courses. You know, we're working on a course. It'll be out next year. Um, just stay in the know on everything that we're doing. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, let us know. And um, this show is episode 76 so the show notes will be 76. That's zigbits.tech slash 76. And that's it. Until next time, bye for now.